Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining myself, Keely Severson, Alicia Swamy, and Eric Johnson to the first official Exposing Mold podcast. We came together to form this, this podcast to really dive into looking at Eric Johnson's theory about the effect of what is actually causing mold injury. We also are aiming to connect the 1988 Holmes definition of chronic fatigue syndrome with the original evidence of stachybotrys. And we're also working on answering some really hard hitting questions to doctors and researchers who don't seem to be looking at some of this evidence and we're really interested in the answers why. So we came together to make this podcast. We are going to be broadcasting our podcast on Mondays and Wednesdays at nine Eastern. And we're going to deep dive into all of the topics mentioned and more. We will have special guests from researchers to other mold injured people to help share their stories, share their research insights, and really do a deep dive into all things toxic mold. We're really looking to answer the question, is it possible that mold is behaving in a different way? And if so, why is that? And, and that brings us to learning more about Eric Johnson. So Alicia and Eric, thank you so much for joining this podcast. And Alicia, thank you for being the brainchild and the mastermind and helping us connect the dots with making this podcast. I'm really excited. I'll just tell a little bit about my story with mold experience and then hand off to Eric and Alicia to share your experience. I was moving to a new city to take a new job as an acupuncturist and herbalist after completing my master's degree in oriental medicine. And I moved into a cheap, gross apartment. I had no concept of mold illness or mold-related symptoms. And over the years in that apartment, my health did decline because I didn't know the signs of, of finding mold in my house or clues around mold. And I didn't know the symptoms that could be related to such an exposure. I wrote all my symptoms off as common, normal health problems. And it wasn't until discovering the toxic mold that I asked the question, could this be making me sick? And there's so much misinformation or missing information around toxic mold that after I asked myself that question, could this be making my, me sick? My immediate next thought was, don't be paranoid, Keely. Because I honestly, that's how little information I had about toxic mold. So that was, that opened the can of worms, deep dive in, and I've been learning about toxic mold and how it relates to my health ever since and supporting my patient base and doing the same. And that's just a little bit about my background. Eric, would you like to share a little bit about your mold story? Uh, sure. In the early 1980s, I was living down in the San Francisco Bay Area and having had some tangles with mold in the past, I was somewhat familiar with it and started looking around for other people like me. And I started finding individuals who were getting incredibly sick in certain buildings, which if I went to, turned out to be the same thing that was affecting me. And that kind of started me on my journey of serious investigation into why I was just getting progressively more ill over, uh, about a five-year period from 1980 to 1985. Um, I got progressively worse as I ran into plumes down in the Bay Area that were harder and harder to recover from. Finally wound up getting so sick that I 
moved back up to Lake Tahoe where my family is just in time for an outbreak of a flu-like illness to hit this little town of Incline Village on the north end of Lake Tahoe. This flu got national attention because people weren't recovering. It was so spectacular uh, that people were, were getting worse. They were expected, uh, like in normal flu-like illness, to just get through it, maybe three, four weeks max, uh, have some kind of recovery. And these people were actually getting worse. And I got caught up in this, got worse and worse, and realized that the mold exposures that I was having were part of a driving force in why I was unable to recover. So I started making contact with other people with the Lake Tahoe mystery illness and found they had a mold story too, and they were in moldy buildings, and it was a component of, of their chronic illness. So as you see by the poster behind me, uh, chronic trichothecine exposure may be indistinguishable from chronic fatigue syndrome. Well, trichothecine T2 mycotoxins are a component of the black mold stachybotrys, and this kept showing up over and over. We didn't know it was stachybotrys back then, we just knew it was black mold. The uh, identification of the species came later, but we knew that it was a toxic mold and chronic exposure was having some kind of effect on this. So when I was asked to be serve as a prototype for a new syndrome coined by the Center for Disease Control to study the clusters of illness at Lake Tahoe, I volunteered on the basis that I could tell people about the black mold, get some research interest into this, and we could find out why it's so difficult for us to recover from toxic mold exposure. Thank you for sharing that introduction to your story and, and your experience is, is the basis of a, a lot of what we are going to be discussing in our podcast episodes moving forward, because I know there's a lot of details of things that were missed and not looked into. Alicia, would you mind sharing a little bit of your mold experience? Yeah, um, I now when I think back to kind of my life, um, when I was younger, I was always sick with something um, and never could understand why. I was always a very active child. Um, at that time, I thought it was because of diet. I mean, I was eating the standard American diet. And so like the medical industry likes to seem to like attribute everything to what you put in your mouth. Um, I just thought, that was the problem. So I changed my diet, but I just kept always feeling sick. Um, I don't remember being in any like moldy buildings when I was young, but I do remember um, our apartment in San Francisco having like black mold in the closet when we were leaving. I discovered that when we were moving everything out. Um, and earlier that year, I had gotten like a really bad flu. It was like January, 2019. Um, and honestly, I would thought, oh, maybe I had COVID before everyone else, you know, because I was working with um, a startup and we had team members that were from different countries. Um, and so one team member was really sick when he went to his country and then came back and then I got something from him and I thought, oh, okay, you know, he gave me just the flu. Um, but now that I'm thinking about it, it could have been just triggered by mold. Um, and from there, 
I was just never the same. Like I, I never fully recovered from that like flu. I had like a fever for a, an entire week. I was like feeling extremely bad, but it was like lingering brain fog, fatigue, just not feeling like myself. And then we moved and bought our home in um, Oregon, the Portland area. And I got extremely worse, um, just extremely sick. We didn't know what was happening. Um, you know, we brought people to come in to inspect our home. They said, oh, everything's fine. There's no mold. And there was just one day where I'm like, oh, check under the sink. And we ended up tearing out the sink underneath in the kitchen. And we found like a slow leak and it completely soaked through entire boards and it was completely blotchy with mold and everything. And I'm like, this is it. This is what's making me sick. And there was just a part of me that just said, you need to get out of this house because it's going to kill you. Um, and I told my husband, look, I got to go. I don't know where I'm going, but we have to go. Um, and that's kind of at the same time where I was kind of researching everything on Facebook and I found you and Eric, and I was really intrigued by Eric's, um, mold avoidance practices. And, you know, I'm thinking, man, I'm on the verge of death. I feel like if this is what's going to help me, I am going to do that because that entire year of being in that moldy home, I was doing everything. I was exercising. I was doing stress management. I mean, I didn't work because I was feeling sick. Um, I was like eating a near perfect diet. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, I should not be sick right now. I'm doing everything that I'm being told to do. And I'm still feeling terrible, if not worse. Um, so that's when I decided, you know what, we're getting the hell out of here. And my husband was like, all right, I love you. So even though you're crazy, let's go. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, a lot of people didn't believe me. Everyone's like, you're just going to leave your home. Why don't you just fix your home? And I'm like, I don't think you understand how I feel right now, because for me to even have the energy to fix my home, I think I'm just going to like kick the bucket at any minute now. So we just ended up leaving and I thought, you know what, there's no one documenting this um, on YouTube or anything. People are saying little things here and there, but no one is really showing what people with mold illness go through. So I decided to start Homesick, um, the YouTube blog, and just literally, um, you're seeing the worst of me. You're, you're seeing me bare, raw, through the whole entire process of getting out of that mold to getting so much better because I did follow Eric's principles of avoiding mold and his decontamination efforts. So I owe my life to Eric. And that's why I feel like this alliance is going to be so powerful and so wonderful. And it's going to help so many people because it helped me. And we just need to get that information out there. And we need to figure out a way to get this recognized. So that way we can continue to, to do what we want to do. And that's help people and basically save people from this horrifying illness. I mean, I've, I've heard people say that they've had brain cancer, they had liver cancer, they had all the cancers from A to Z. And that mold illness is much worse than the pain and suffering from that. So if you could just think about that, imagine that and us knowing what we went through, we don't want anyone to have to suffer like that. They shouldn't have to suffer like that. So that's why we're here. And it seems like it's growing too, you know, 30 mm -hmm. years ago, no one had a mold story and now almost everyone has a mold story. 
So that's a little bit about how we came together, Alicia. I, I found you through your YouTube blog, and I think I think maybe it was Eric that shared it. I'm not sure, but one thing that I, when I saw your videos, I was just like, I need to talk to this woman because it was so raw and so real, and you were so in it. And, you know, I was still going through some of my stuff at the time, you know, we're kind of, I feel like I'm still in recovery or in the, on the process of recovering. And it just, it, it honestly, it pierced me. And I was like, I want to connect with this woman because I can feel what she's going through. And I just wanted to, to know, to know you. And I, I wasn't really sure why, but your video is really called out to me. And Eric and I connected because I had started doing something similar. I had started doing some YouTube videos about mold education. And I was just trying to, to share what I was learning as I was going. And some of it was so elementary looking back. <laughs> and that's okay, because that's part of the process. But Eric and I started just connecting in private messenger and he kind of became this, <laughs> not that he volunteered for the position, but probably this, this unlikely resource of, of, of someone that I could go to with my questions. I was having really strange experiences with reacting to things that I shouldn't react to. And, and that connection of having Eric as a reference helped me keep my sanity. And also having weird reactions to things that feels like a mold reaction and then it's something like an electronic, having that insight really helped me open my eyes up to Eric's theory. Because Eric's theory is there is an effect happening that's making mold behave more aggressively. And when you get hit with mold injury and you get knocked on your ass, you honestly think this is just what mold does. And I was in that space for forever. And, you know, without having built that relationship with Eric and having Eric been so generous with his time, I don't think I would have even got to the point to have the insights to kind of come back and say, hey, look, we might be looking at this wrong. We might need to be listening to this person over here. Like there's, there's some really important missing information here. And so, you know, Eric and I were interested in, in doing more outreach work and I sent you a little alliance proposal. That, that was, was really cute. I my loved birthday. It. <laughs> there's this TikTok sound, and Eric, I know you're not familiar with TikTok, but there's this TikTok sound that's like, do you want to form an alliance with me? And I thought it would be so funny to make that as a video to send you just to see what you'd say. <laughs> and that's really, and you said yes, and Eric and I both felt good about you were you were a person with integrity that seemed like you'd be good to work with to serve the mission. And that's really the story of how we all came together, just our shared experiences and then timing and just kind of aligned for us. So, you know, we have a lot of questions that we want answered. Um, you know, we know that the American Medical Association doesn't recognize a lot of mold related syndromes. And we know that there was a major clue of stachybotrys when the CDC coined the 1988 Holmes definition of chronic fatigue syndrome, and that syndrome was never solved. And we have a lot of doctors and researchers who are specializing in chronic fatigue while the syndrome is still unsolved. And one of the things that we're here asking, one of the major things that we're here asking is for the acknowledgement of stachybotrys to be connected to chronic fatigue syndrome. <clears throat> 
because as Eric says, when you don't look at trichothecene producing molds, you might be missing something really important about what they're doing and how that is, is causing people's illness. So, so. <laughs> so that's how we came together. And that's kind of mm -hmm. what you, what our listeners can expect from the podcast moving forward is really diving deep in, into these questions. We see some missteps by some organizations, by some mold remediators, by some researchers, and we see that people are, are kept sick because of the lack of information. And maybe the remediators who are telling folks, oh, mold allergy only occurs in 10% of the population, you're fine. You know, maybe if the truth about stachybotrys was fully discovered or researched at some point, you know, maybe they'd have better information to go on. So we're really kind of, I picture us as like taking a bulldozer to all of this and then trying to rebuild it in a way that maybe serves people better. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited just to kind of go through everything piece by piece and provide everyone with the research and the science being as objective as possible and as helpful as possible because like you mentioned, I mean, people are just talking about mold, like it's, you get a cough and a stuffy nose and, you know, watery eyes. No, people are having these crazy, crazy symptoms that range from that to almost feeling like you're on your deathbed. Um, and so we're, we're just going to go ahead and deep dive into all that information. And, and we would love it if people who are watching now um, who are experts or in mold or know more about it or would like to be a part of our podcast to please, please reach out to Keely, Eric, or I. So that way we can chat with you and get you on and see what perspective that you can bring to our podcast, because we're really trying to just uncover every little bit of it and make it easy and digestible for our viewers and our listeners. So that way they can go ahead and make the right choices and choose the right doctors and choose the right remediation companies and know how to navigate this illness because it's just, it's a clusterfuck right now. Let's be honest. Um, you know, there's naturopaths that know what they're doing, or there's other people that think they know, and there's doctors that don't understand. And there's so many people getting shut out when they're feeling chronically ill. And that is the most disturbing thing for me is that I'm, I've been a public servant since day one and i'm all about helping the people and i'm all about helping the underdogs rise up and that's kind of what we're at we're we are the underdogs trying to rise up against these big dogs that are knowingly keeping this under wraps and we just it's just not right and it's just not right and it's going to continue to get worse and it's going to continue to cause havoc in, on our economy because the more people that are sick, who's going to be working, who's going to be making things flow like they're flowing now. So that's kind of where we're coming from. Do you want to say anything, Eric? Yeah, you uh, nailed it with the clusterfuck from the, very, <laughs> from the very moment that outside researchers descended on us at Lake Tahoe. They claimed that they wanted to solve the mystery but actually they only came with their own preconceived theories, which they attempted to enforce on us. They ne never looked at any of our clues, nothing. 
In fact, they just fought with us and anything we tried to bring out was suppressed. For example, the original cohort, the actual group of teachers that scared Dr. Cheney into calling the CDC for help, they were all in a single room, one room at a school. And they all got sick in this one teacher's lounge. And since I was a student at Truckee High School, I was aware that there was something terribly wrong with that part of the school. So it seemed logical that if you want to find out what is making 10 teachers sick in a single room, you look in the room. Somehow this did not occur to any of the researchers, nor the CDC, that came to investigate the mystery illness. So as a result, each and every one of them overlooked the actual clue that caused the start of the investigation, the, the toxic sensation in the single room. So it was really a simple matter uh, once everybody else gave up to go in there and find out that there was a toxic mold. The school authorities called the top mold professionals in the United States actually, who came up, tested the mold, identified it as stachybotrys and did a remediated. So really the uh, illness for which the chronic fatigue syndrome was coined, had any researcher done what a researcher is supposed to and look in the actual evidence, the toxic mold would have been found several years before the Center for Disease Control published chronic fatigue syndrome. The syndrome would never have been coined at all. There was no need for it. And in all the years since, the doctors have kept this a carnival clown show by refusing to reconsider the evidence that they overlooked. And that's, that's a, the medical history here, going back in time with Eric and looking at the medical history here is, is a big purpose of this podcast. And it's, it's going to ruffle some feathers and it's going to raise a lot of questions for the average person about the medical establishment because we, have a very serious case of science not being adhered to when the principal basic first principle of science is observation and the observations are not investigated but but ignored that's an issue yeah we want good science we want honest science and when findings have been made when abnormalities can be verified we want researchers to study them and pass it on to other researchers. Absolutely. And actually take the time to look into what has been researched because I have a whole spreadsheet that says that toxic mold is a problem. It causes health issues. It, you know, sick building syndrome is, we is real. And so it, it's just, there's some kind of, I don't know, cognitive dissonance or some kind of disconnection where this science is not being picked up by the medical community. And, um, you know, you guys know my Mayo Clinic story the other day, a, a prestigious institution where people all over the world come to get treated. They don't have one toxicologist or environmental doctor on staff, you know, and even just to see a doctor there would take me two years. And I'm just like, what? You know, what if I had something chronically wrong with me? I'd probably be dead by that time, <laughs> you know, like, come on. I think so, the dissonance with toxic mold is exactly what Eric says, is that throughout history, mold has not behaved this way. 
So we truly may be looking at a new phenomenon of a mold behaving more aggressively. And because it hasn't been researched, we can't say that for sure and we don't know. And the reason for the cognitive dissonance again is the, the researchers have been wanting to look for a viral cause again, because mold has not traditionally behaved this aggressive to just knock people out. Otherwise we would have known about it. Mold doesn't behave that way. And, and that's why some of the doctors and the researchers I think are so fixated on this viral cause. But what if we have a more modern issue? What if we have an overarching environmental problem that's causing a more modern issue and nobody, nobody has looked into it because the basic rules of science weren't followed to see why is Stachybotrys doing this and why is it keeping people sick in this building? So that, yeah. that's the work that, that we've taken on to try to I mean, we have our work cut out for us, you know, and we're going to have people who aren't going to going to be happy about us taking a different spin on this because a lot of the major agencies are really content with saying, well, we'll look into chronic fatigue syndrome later and see if Stachybotrys does that. And Eric, what do you think about that? Well, I think this is one of the most epic failures of the medical system in their entire history. I mean, it really can't get worse than this. The first clue in the syndrome and not a single chronic fatigue syndrome research in the world has ever looked at it. How is this possible? I mean, this is, this is clear that there's something far beyond the science involved here. This is a sociological problem. There's something wrong in the way that doctors and researchers are behaving. We need to examine that and clear that up just as much as we do need to look into the mold itself. Amen. Yeah. And, you know, these researchers and these doctors like to follow where the money is. So if we can try to get the money into that, into this issue, into the mold issue, maybe they will be interested in looking into it. I don't know, you know? Well, now, so far, all of our various helpful mold institutes have taken the line that they're going to discover this on their own. They're not accepting any outside input. They're not looking back on the history. And essentially by going into competition with each other and stomping heads, instead of cooperating and progressing the science, they're actually driving science backwards by diverting people from the findings, the evidence that we already have. And every time Eric brings this up to a researcher, doctor, institution, they block him. <laughs> yes, they do. So we're, we're not we're not speaking to open ears here for the most part. So that's why we're hoping to make an underground grassroots movement and really educate on the patient level or the average the average home resident level and have them maybe push up with us because we obviously we need help. Eric has been out here fighting this fight for over 35 years trying to get someone to take action on this. And he made quite a bit of progress working with Dr. Shoemaker. And at the end of the day, they just didn't see eye to eye on theories. You know, Eric's theory, Eric's theory is one that's harder to digest, harder to wrap your head around, and um, probably the most accurate and <laughs> the thing that matches my experience the most with my mold injury. And so I'm really, I'm really interested in diving into that more as we go to well, the uh, federal agencies keep changing the name. They keep moving the target. They went from chronic Epstein-Barr virus 
to um, chronic fatigue syndrome, to ME-CFS, that every time you can nail down any finding for a particular name, they change the name and move on. So I think what happened with Dr. Shoemaker is they tried to move on from chronic fatigue syndrome, forget the whole thing, consign it to history, and change the name to SEID, Systemic Exertion Intolerance Disease. And since that was supposed to be the up and coming thing, Dr. Shoemaker believed that he, if he could connect his SIRS entity with SEED, that he would be poised to address the direction that the, the agencies are trying to go. But the patient community has not embraced the SEED construct. Uh, they know that it doesn't represent the past, it doesn't represent their illness, and it was rejected. So when Dr. Shoemaker kind of moved away from connecting mold and chronic fatigue syndrome to pursue, to kind of chase after the name change game, he moved away from the project to connect mold and chronic fatigue syndrome. And we're still here trying to establish that connection. And we're even seeing the name change game now because now they're talking about CFS ME in relation to long haulers, COVID. And yeah. so they're really just, they're taking these same set of symptoms and they're just chasing, is it this virus? Is it this virus? <clears throat> well, now this virus is so dangerous because this, because this will happen. Well, history says a lot of viruses in toxic mold will have the same expression of what is now being called long haulers or CFSME. And we can't just keep moving the target and never solve it. It's insanity. Yeah, yeah and it's a, it's a waste of our money. Uh, uh, long haulers, the, the CDC and NIH are seizing upon this opportunity to kind of sweep everything into one large trash can, one umbrella, and in reference to uh, MECFS, every expression they make is, well, we just didn't know anything about that. That was just fatigue. All we ever knew about that was fatigue. So they're not using this to look back to help resolve ME or CFS. All they're doing is saying, well, whatever we find in long COVID, we're gonna call that ME-CFS and so sorry about the past, we've moved on since then. And you can even see that in their language when they're announcing like their grant funding. It'll, it'll say answers, yesterday's answers, tomorrow's hope or you know that's yeah. that's a, a a gross misquote let me just call myself out that's not how it's worded but if you know how if you're aware of it and you go and you look at their announcements for funding you can actually kind of call out how they're using their language to say well this is a problem that we're going to solve moving forward and you can see in their language they have no intention in looking back at the history the medical history and that's why it's so important to to talk about it how many people with 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 long haulers or COVID are in water damaged buildings and they don't know. And anyone who gets this virus should be aware that if they're in, in toxic mold that this has the potential to develop. People deserve to have a warning bell to know to protect themselves from not becoming chronically ill. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at everybody's mold stories. How well it seemed to begin with the flu, but then I discovered later that I had a mold problem how could that possibly not apply to long haulers? Right. 
Yeah. And, you know, COVID, we, during COVID, we all had to stay at home. You know, it was like, you couldn't leave your house. You got to stay at home. I mean, I was freaking scared. I was scared for my life. They played this to be like, millions of people are going to die. Chaos is going to ensue. That's how I was taking it. And so it was like, I never left my home and my home was mold damaged. You know, that probably hit me harder than if I was able to get out and go and be away from it from time to time. That was my first thought when they announced the quarantine of people safe, the safer at home. I thought, do they have any idea how many people have water damage in their home and they're going to get this virus and they're going to go home to their water damage building safer at home? No, I don't think so. That's, <laughs> that's not safer. Yeah. And then you think about all the people that have gotten sick since the stay at home order. And then kind of what you said, how many people are actually getting sick because their immune system has been compromised because of their water damaged homes. Many long haulers are long haulers because they got the virus that went around and were safer at home in their moldy water damaged house. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we definitely have our work cut out for us. And I think we just gave a really good <laughs> general frame of reference of all of the topics that we are going to be covering and, and deep diving into. So this is the wide range and these are the stories that need to be t told. So Alicia, for any of our listeners, how can people connect with you or follow you on social media? Yeah, so you guys can go ahead and check me out on YouTube. Um, my name is Alicia Swamy, S-W-A-M-Y. Currently, I'm um, just vlogging my journey through um, mold. I'm 50 plus days out of mold and following, again, Eric's uh, principles and mold avoidance and decontamination efforts, um, gauging my environments, and I am doing pretty damn well here. Um, and check me out online on Facebook, um, Alicia Swami. Again, um, you can also check me out under Keely's Exposing Mold. And uh, yeah, we'll have some more information out for you guys. We're starting up the website and you guys will be able to access this content in any form through video, through sound, through transcripts. So um, if you miss anything, don't worry. You can always obtain it, uh, those other methods. So. Eric, I know that you're not big into promoting yourself, so I will do it for you. If anyone wants <laughs> to connect more with Eric Johnson or deep dive into his theory a little bit more on their own accord, or even look into some of his observations regarding doctors and researchers that he's taken a lot of time to write up, his Facebook group is called The Eric Johnson Effect. So that's a good place to connect and learn more from Eric. Anyone who wants to find me, Exposing Mold on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and, and we're out. Yeah, and we do <laughs> want to say thank you. We, we did launch a fundraiser to kind of get this started and to kind of cover any costs that are associated with this. And praying that we don't get any pushback from the big guys that we mentioned earlier. So we're just kind of building up our protection fund or operation fund here um, to go ahead and uh, provide you guys with the, the most objective up-to-date information um, to help you navigate this mold illness. Um, so thank you to those who donated. I mean, I was shocked by how many donations we've received in just 10 hours. 
Um, you know, we're almost up to $1,000. And again, the more money, the better, because we'll be able to use it in other different avenues. Uh, we eventually would like to use some of the money to help people that are struggling with this. I know the huge financial toll that this took on me. I mean, it completely wiped me out. And I know it's wiping out so many other people and families and they're losing everything and that should not happen. And we should have some type of help for these people. So eventually, hopefully we can get to that point, but we just need you guys to keep on donating and keep listening and keep helping us out, spreading the word, liking, sharing our content, talking about it, um, bringing it up to your doctors, um, bringing up to your colleagues, just everyone, because we are sharing priceless information that could help save people's lives. So thank you. It's also a good way to annoy people to just talk about mold all the time. Yeah. And then for those assholes that sit here and tell you it's in your head, it's in your head, you're crazy, you need a Xanax, mold doesn't exist, show them this and I'll shut them the hell up. <laughs>